Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, I'm going to talk about whether you deserve a happy marriage. And, of course, intellectually, people understand the answer is yes. But if you grew up in an unhappy home, as we will discuss, it may seem like uh, you don't really deserve that or really to be happy at all. And we will discuss how this belief system originates and how it may be currently keeping you in a very dysfunctional situation. But first, I must tell you to subscribe. My most recent subscriber episode was on uh, how often, how, and why couples should have close connected conversations. So that's the frequency of a different sort of connection rather than uh, uh, the constant um, talking about sexual frequency. So anyway, uh, do you deserve a happy marriage? Well, like, yeah, everybody thinks that in theory, people deserve to be happy. Some people kind of don't think that, you know, and, and the reason that they wouldn't is because their homes were even worse than the ones that I will describe. But, you know, most people do think people in general deserve to be happy, but maybe not them, you know, because they uniquely are not really that great of a catch and they really don't have much value. So in their unique situation, despite thinking that everybody else probably deserves to be happy, often including their spouse, certainly their kids, they think that they do not deserve to be happy. So what kind of home is this person raised in that would make them think like this? It was a home where, you know, nobody was happy. Like, I mean, you don't have to look very far. If nobody is happy, if you grew up in a depressive home where people really think that life is just to be suffered through, whether there's religious martyrdom or anxious and depressed martyrdom, there's martyrdom of some sort. Somebody's a martyr, usually both parents. Feel that you have to uh, suffer through life and uh, either they believe there's an afterlife where this gets fixed or not, you know, but it doesn't matter because obligation and duty are really the, the you know, keystones of this way of thinking. And this value system is internalized by the child and they think, and they often become a workhorse in some way, and they think that basically life is to be suffered through and if anything, you're supposed to make your kids happy. Because some of these kids, the ones in the better, quote unquote, uh, more functional families, at least the parents love them. The parents seem miserable as shit, but at least the parents love them and sometimes at least try to make them happy. So they remember like we went on a vacation or my dad brought me home a new baseball glove or my mom did sign me up for dance lessons when I like to dance, dance class, whatever. So they have some moments where they remember somebody did try to be nice to them. Now, there's other people who um, nobody tried to be nice to them either. So the adults were miserable, but they were also angry, abusive, and or neglectful of the children. So then when those children grow up into adults, they actually don't really believe anybody deserves to be happy. They kind of just think that people are shit, and you got to take what you can get in this world, and uh, nobody's really happy, and they're very, very paranoid, and they frequently have fearful, avoidant attachments. So you should listen to my podcast on that, which comes from 
from being raised in an abusive childhood or neglect, you know, and that's when you really don't believe that anybody will ever be there for you and you better reject them before they reject you. It frequently goes along with borderline personality, um, other personality disorders, etc. So, um, but most people are not in that regard. Most people that deal with this um, low self-esteem, low self-worth, thinking that they don't deserve to be happy, were raised in the former kinds of home where the parents were just miserable. It was obvious the parents really kind of were not happy in their own marriages, but um, they would never leave because they, you know, view life as something to be gotten through and something difficult and something kind of um, joyless. And you should read the book. I just read the book, so I I, um, recommend anything that I read that I really like that has any psychological bearing. But Stoner by John Edwin, uh, Edward Williams is a classic that I didn't know about until I read it, and it was written in the 60s, but this guy exemplifies the workhorse um, personality type, and you can read, uh, you really like it if you like my stuff. So, or, I mean, not that, not that I am in any way like a literary, <laughs> like an, an author of, of a classic, I'm just saying if you like thinking about psychology, that's the overlap, then you would like the psychological aspects of this novel, which is obviously far superior to the posts on drpsychmom.com. So in no way was I um, equating my work. But anyway, uh, the, the point is that if you grow up in a joyless home, It's very hard to find joy or to think that you deserve joy. So it's also hard to think of yourself as somebody who is um, really one of those lucky people that likes, you know, their wife or their husband or that gets to have sex or whatever, because you've always felt as adult children of dysfunctional families do that you're on the outside looking in that like everybody else you feel has hacked enjoying life like they're all able to do it. But somehow for you, like maybe you're just not like smart enough or you're not like charming enough or something isn't working for you such that you're not able to even attract good things. You don't consider yourself a lucky person. This often, uh, this self-concept goes along with being a late bloomer, as I have spoken about in other podcasts and posts, being a late bloomer, um, thinking that you have a low amount of sexual experience. That That is something that is very hard for many men, especially. So the, the point is here that A lot of people, and it's men and women, so it's not just like men, you know, that suffer with this and they don't think they deserve to have sex. It's women who don't deserve think that they deserve to have any sort of uh, nice romantic life. So these are the women that I write the posts and make the podcast for entitled Why Men Never Take Care of You. Why men never take care of you is because you don't think you deserve it. So then you're attracted to men that don't because that makes sense. It makes sense when you have to do all the shit for the guy, but it doesn't make sense that they would ever do anything for you. So then you are drawn to guys with whom you feel useful and you can feel useful by doing all of their life activities and scheduling their appointments and cleaning their house. And then um, some Sometimes later in life, hopefully, these women gain some more self-esteem and they become unhappy with this same setup. But really, it's not the guy's fault. He was kind of useless before, you know. And so you got him because you could come in and help because you thought that was your only value. So this goes back to my podcast, kind of like don't blame your partner for being who you picked when you had lower self-esteem. But anyway... 
why would you deserve a happy marriage? Well, why the fuck not? No matter who you are listening to this, I will tell you this. If you have low self-esteem now, if you yourself, how you look, how you act, your IQ, your earning power, whatever, your dick size, your bra size, whatever, um, whoever you are, had you been raised in a happier home with more joy and love and positive remarks flowing around, you would like yourself better. Full stop. It has nothing to do with the story that you've been telling yourself that it's because, you know, you don't look a certain way or you don't act a certain way or you're not that interesting or you're not that funny or you're not that um, whatever. It isn't that. It's that you were raised in a home where you didn't learn that you were good. Nobody really told you that many good things about yourself. And you didn't, more importantly, you did not see any adults with any healthy self-esteem. You know, so sometimes you saw a narcissist parent, but that person shat all over you. So, you know, it ended up worse. And narcissists don't have high self-esteem. Like that isn't, they don't have healthy self-esteem. They have a, a warped view of themselves versus other people. And they're always shitting on other people anyway. So the point is, had you been raised in one of those homes where that really do exist, that's kind of like a family sitcom, like Family Ties or something is always my example. Those homes really do exist. They're not perfect, you know, but they're more like that than not. There are people who look at families on TV and they're like, oh, that's kind of like my family. Really? Like there are people like that. Um, they don't end up in therapy, <laughs> not for as long at least, you know, but the, the point is, had you been raised in one of those homes, you would look the same, you would act the same. At, well, you wouldn't act the same. You would have some more confidence, truly. But you would act mostly the same. And you would think that you were pretty, pretty great, you know, and that you deserve to be in a happy relationship. So when you really are raised to think that life is full of kind of suffering and um, obligation and burden, then you just assume that that's how your marriage is going to go. But had you seen a happier marriage growing up, you know, and listening to this, this can be your motivation to work on your own marriage such that your children have a different sort of uh, template and they actually can see a happy marriage and then be able to automatically get into one as their automatic default, unlike you, you know, could break that cycle. But the point is, had you seen a happier marriage, then you would assume, of course, that you should be in a loving marriage where people touch each other and do nice things for each other and smile at each other. But since you didn't see that, then you think that this is what you deserve. That maybe some other better looking, more charming people, luckier people get into those kind of marriages and that's who deserves that. But that's not true. Everybody deserves to be happy. Who doesn't deserve to be happy though? Like, I mean, everything, everything has, you know, <laughs> everything um, has a area of gray. Nothing's black and white. If you are a tremendous asshole, you know, then you don't deserve to be in a happy marriage, right? I mean, you don't because you're not being very nice. So some people, that is their coping mechanism with being mad at the world after being raised in a dysfunctional family and they are depressed, they were raised by depressed people, etc. And their depression manifests as being angry and um, kind of paranoid about other people getting more than they have and, and just kind of overall being a dick and this is man or woman. Well, those people don't really deserve to be in a happy marriage. So if you struggle with anger issues and you struggle with jealousy of others and feeling um, and saying that other people get things that you don't and such 
displeasure in your current marital dynamic that you take it out on your spouse, such as, for example, your wife doesn't sleep with you and you berate her over it and you constantly tell her she's terrible and frigid and all these things. Well, then, like, you don't deserve to be in a happy marriage. On a core level, you do, and I'm sure you have a good heart, but your defense mechanisms are stopping you from being somebody that would ever attract a healthy relationship. So couples counseling would not be recommended. Individual counseling would be recommended in such a situation. When you, if you saw a videotape of how you talk to your spouse and you, you would be ashamed to see anybody see it because you're so mean or snarky or angry or defensive, then you would need to work on yourself individually because what you're doing is a self-fulfilling prophecy. On a core level, your self-esteem is so low. You're telling yourself you don't deserve to be in a happy marriage. So you're making yourself somebody that doesn't, that doesn't deserve to be in a happy marriage because you're not very nice. And if that is the case, then you know what? If this makes you uncomfortable to listen to, then maybe think about it and go to therapy about it. Right. I mean, there's me, there's people that work for me and there. I mean, this is a fucking popular occupation now really exploded recently. So, you know, if you don't want me or one of my people at Best Life, there are other therapists as well. And this is something for you to be working on because then you really are. As I said, this is like um, you have created a prophecy and you are now you are now embodying somebody who does not deserve to be in a happy marriage because you don't think it's possible anyway. So kind of why not be a dick? But it is possible. And I don't know if it's possible with your current spouse, but it's possible, you know, for everybody to turn into the sort of person by which I mean only a kind person and a uh, generous person. You don't have to be a supermodel. You don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be a millionaire. Um, any kind person that genuinely wants to connect with others can be in a happy relationship and deserves to be in one. So, you know, and no matter what age, no matter anything, and the people who think that men are only looking for supermodels or women are only looking for millionaires, I have podcasts for both of those topics individually, and it's just not true. You know, I mean, I work with people all the time. Sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, but you're only working with the, to these, you know, uh, people that you, you do podcasts about, the CEOs, the doctors, the lawyers. I worked, listen, starting in 2009, accepting insurance in a group practice like everybody starts out. And before that, I was an intern at the VA. I've worked, and before that, I was a grad student. You know who comes to see grad students? Certainly people that cannot afford to not see grad students. Uh, it is basically pro bono. There's like a, a, a moderate fee to get your therapy at a training clinic, which is why I recommend this all the time for people who are struggling financially, by the way. This uh, is a PSA. Find a university training clinic near you that trains PhD level psychologists because they got to train on people like, you know, so you, they're under supervision, but they're very enthusiastic, you know, and they are smart. So if you cannot afford even insurance covered therapy, then you should look for a university training clinic near you. Again, a university that has a PhD program in clinical psychology or a PsyD program, PSY space D program in clinical psychology. That's a doctor of psychology, a different degree. You also get called doctor at the end. I'm a PhD. So either of those, and I don't know much about the LPCs and the LCSWs, except that they got to train too. So look up that too. Look up those programs near you and call and say, do you have free slash low cost options at your training clinic for therapy or, or evaluations? That's how we learn to evaluate for ADHD, et cetera, do neuropsych evals, 
and, and whatever. So the point is, I mean, hopefully that was useful PSA for at least one human being listening. Otherwise, it was a waste of time. But um, <laughs> the point being, right, that I do have experience with people that are not the CEOs and the uh, doctors and lawyers that I talk about. And all of them, if they're nice people, find people to date. What they do with those people and whether those relationships turn into something, you know, remains to be seen based on whether they've learned different ways of interacting than what they observed growing up. But people have a lot of possibilities, particularly in this age of dating apps, but they did even before that when I was working early in my career. If somebody is a nice person that genuinely wants to connect with somebody else invariably no matter what their objective net worth or uh, ability to get onto a magazine cover is they find people the people that do not end up finding people are truly people who are not admitting to themselves that they are ambivalent about relationships and have a guard up people who do have a guard up do not get into relationships because people can sniff ambivalence or coldness a mile away. But almost every, really every person I've really ever worked with, I'm trying to think of examples that aren't, and I can't. I cannot think of examples of people who were genuinely trying to get involved in relationships and had looked at themselves and were trying wholeheartedly to put themselves out there and to engage in a functional, like, you know, mutually supportive, happy relationship with somebody who could not find anybody to date at all. So I hate when people say they can't find people because then it means that they end up lonely and nobody deserves to be lonely unless, of course, they do because they are a huge raging asshole of either gender. And in that case, they should go to therapy. So, you know, it all comes full circle. Um, <laughs> so my point is the TLDR, the takeaway here, which this was wide ranging, is that if you think you don't deserve joy, it's because your parents acted joyless and um, it, mostly they acted joyless themselves. Some people were overtly mean to you in specific, which means you're going to have even worse uh, thoughts about relationships and you're going to have even deeper trust issues. All of this can be helped a lot with therapy, self-esteem work, you know, is, is a major area of, of individual therapy. And if you get to a place where you truly can love yourself more and act kinder because of that, you know, to others, because you're not as angry and things don't seem as... Uh, unfair and you can kind of understand the trajectory of your life and where you got to how you are and processed and grieved some of your childhood issues and moved forward with new perspectives and empathy within your relationship. For some people, the relationship still won't work out. Well, then guess what? There's other people out there, you know, uh, to be with. But everybody who really tries can find somebody as long as they are genuinely open to doing so and are nice. You know, nice, not like fake, nice, covert contract shit. Nice, kind, kind, generous, loving, etc. All right. Um, hope that y'all found this useful. If you if you do like to listen to me, um, then you would also like to join my Facebook group because there's lots of smart people in there that like to talk about the topics that I talk about. And uh, that Facebook group, you could just uh, click on the blue subscribe button of my page, Dr. Psych Mom on Facebook. Anybody listening to this is probably old enough to be on Facebook. And so click on the blue subscribe button on the Dr. Psych Mom page. And it's $4.99 a month. And it's a lot of fun. Over 300 people in there. All right. Talk to y'all soon. Have a great day.